This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We're starting again. I'm Kelly McDonald. And I'm Brock Richardson. He's filling in today. is not available uh, today to do the show with us, so... Mr. Brock Richardson stepping in and doing an adequate job. Second day on the job. Uh, sir, yesterday, how'd it feel? Thumbs up on yesterday. it now that you've had time to digest, as they say? Just because I've now got my feet wet. So I know what's going on now. So Brock uh, does our sports on Mondays. And as we moved, did the transition to television, uh, we, of course, asked all the contributors just changing the timeline a little bit, when to get content into us so that we can be prepared. Sports being one of those oddities that we have on the show where up to the minute of airtime, this guy could be adding something to the script. How do you temper that, Brock, with what we do here on the show and our timelines? It's um, what Kelly and Romeo get and the team is a very generic um, script. So... What they get is what's going on in any given sport. So it's a very, like, you know, one line, a couple of lines. Unless I know, okay, we're going to cover this topic, that topic. But it becomes very generic because, as you mentioned, the world of sports is ever-changing and ever-evolving oh, yeah. from day-to-day and minute-to-minute, really. That's really amazing. And it's it's got to be a tough one, Brock, sometimes, because you know how much you want to say, you want to do, and what you send us today is going to be so different. So you got to keep up on and knowing, okay, I'm going to take these guys here since I've mentioned Tom Brady and his second retirement. When I speak about it on Monday, we'll see where it's at and, and, and following up. So uh, Fedora's off to you and our whole team because everybody's faced with it and some have a bit more of challenges than others. Let's uh, take a look, ladies and gentlemen, and see what's coming up today on the program. Coming up uh, on today's show, is there a right or wrong way for doctors to break bad news to people? We dive into this topic with our bestie from the UK, Fern Lullum. With Valentine's Day coming right around the corner, what can you make for your special someone on that day? Foodie Mar- Mary Mamaliti comes to share some delicious recipes to try on that day. Oh, boy, that'll start our second hour off, folks. Be waiting for that. And also on the roundtable this week, we're joined by Greg David, communications specialist at AMI. So it'll be a good conversation. Got a few interesting things for Brock and he to talk about with I. We'll get into that later on in hour two on the program. An Ontario study finds that the pandemic brought on a spike on health-related alcohol uh, visits to the hospitals, both among people with a history with drinking problems, as well as those who are confronting drinking problems for the first time. The study, published in the Canadian Journal of Public Health, looked at data for visits to hospitals and doctors between March 2020 and May of 21. Lead author and Ottawa Hospital family physician Dr. Daniel Myron found a 22% jump in visits to physicians, including family doctors and addiction medicine specialists. Yeah, the pandemic and its stresses and its disruption to treatment caused 
increase harms in people who were struggling pre-pandemic, but it also caused people who didn't have a history of alcohol visits before the pandemic to newly develop them. Myron says increased availability to alcohol during the pandemic while other services were closed may have influenced people to drink more. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. As a mild drinker all my life, um, I'm not going to say I didn't sit down ever and, oh boy, throw a few pints back. Brock, I remember when the pandemic started being absolutely floored. What do you mean the liquor stores, the beer stores are going to be open? And of course, it had to be pointed out to me, hey man, think about people with addictions. You just can't cut people off. And my concern was, no, so true. I understand that. But what about people stressed out, upset? And as we know, often you turn to eating, you may turn to drinking. Um, This report alludes to that. Now, there's absolutely at this point no evidence in the sense of stats that that will back that thought up. But I must admit, I I was very concerned. And again, I don't want to be someone who appears to be insensitive um, to people who have that battle every day and have and are working at it or people new to it discovering, I I, I drink and this is becoming a problem. Uh, I certainly don't mean to be insensitive and say, well, I thought that would happen. But it was a huge concern for myself when when those announcements were made. How did you feel? Um, I, I wish I could say, Kelly that I'm surprised by what we just heard. And unfortunately, I'm not really that surprised. And the reason is, is because the pandemic took a lot of toll on everybody. Everybody had their challenges. Everybody had their concerns. And I think we all just need to be a little bit more aware of what's really going on in someone's life. And instead of, you know, looking at the liquor store and saying, oh, it just opened and there's already a line, instead of judging maybe let's take a look and say well maybe there's a reason for it and it goes far beyond the desire to go to the lcbo or any given liquor store just because well i know as a big guy you know i i do what i can um but that's been a battle for me all my life and i always hope i hope people you know don't just look and see and judge and again if you're that kind of person obviously you're going to do that just like if you're going to close your mind Mm -hmm. to the liquor store being open and just say oh well it still doesn't matter cut them off you know and be insensitive like that these are the things you hope that people don't want to be as a person and hope that we do broaden ourselves We'll step aside for a couple of moments, ladies and gentlemen. When we return on the program, Michael Fair has checked out some of the popular habit tracking and task management apps that are out there. He tells us about some accessible options. We'll get into that conversation. So stick with us right here on Kelly and Ramya. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Haven't heard from you lately, ladies and gentlemen. We always love to hear your feedback and messages, and when we can, even play one over the air. But just nice to know you're out there making a book recommendation or just letting us know how you feel about the show. And I know some people have been doing that over there on uh, Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, really nice, but we'd love to hear your voice. So maybe you leave us a voice message at some point to do that. But any way you engage with the program, at Kelly and Ramya on Twitter, uh, awesome. Brock Richardson, he stepped in today and filling in. I would welcome him to the show. And at this point, ladies and gentlemen, on Thursdays, we get a chance to talk audio entertainment and tech with Michael Fair.
Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. Mike, I absolutely love the direction you're taking right now This uh, as we enter the new year. And there's so many of those things that we, we've been talking about on the show, people starting this, stopping that, or saying, I, I can't do that. But really thinking about as we get into a new year, things I need to change to do a little better and make myself feel better. So at the start of the year, there's always that increased interest in apps to support that and help you. These were to help you keep your resolutions and achieve some of the goals you might set. Now, folks, Mike Fair has checked out some of the popular uh, uh, habit tracking that's out there and task management apps. He's going to talk to us a little bit about accessible options that may be out there to us. Mike, Welcome back, and I know as a blind person, we're the first to say, oh, some of this stuff can be quite hard. What what makes it hard for us? Well, th there's a couple of things, really. I mean, first of all, when you're looking for these apps, it's usually because some aspect of your existence needs a bit more order or a bit, of, a bit more, more coaching help. And, uh, you know, you're not in, in, in typically coming at this from a, a position of utter calm and sanctity, right? So, and then we have to look at, how hard is it for most sighted people? They can look and find, oh, here's a list of 23 different apps that are, you know, going to be good for habit forming or whatever we need. Mental coaching, it's all available, but some of it's not accessible. Developers don't always think to, uh, to, to make it accessible with voiceover. And so we might find an app that sounds really good, but then find that, no, for, for some reason, it's not accessible. We can't use this. Uh, and that can be really doubly frustrating when you're already stressed about something you know, trying to just find something that'll help you plan your day. It feels like your wants are so simple. And yet, the, you know, what you find is advertised as very simple. But of course, it's advertised as simple because it is for sighted people, not necessarily mm -hmm. for blind people. So <laughs> that's uh, the minefield that we uh, we have to deal with. Oh, good old putting everybody in a box and saying this yep. works for everybody. <laughs> My, Mike, let's talk about the... Uh, Fabulous app. It sounds fabulous. Am I right? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. <laughs> semi sort of kind of. It is. This is an app that is designed to be uh, if, if you want uh, the, the Cadillac experience of developing habits. Uh, this has got the science of Duke University behind it. Uh, the ha they have a lab dedicated to the study of this there. And uh, it's it's an app that puts all the resources possible. Uh, behind your development of good habits. It starts you small. Drink drink a glass of water. We commit to drinking a glass of water tomorrow morning, now that you've done it today. It takes you in those small little starts and builds you up, right, to other parts of the morning routine and daily routines that you want to incorporate. Kind of coaches you all the way through. You get story, uh, bits of story, messages, things like that to to all the tricks, positive sound feedback, visual feedback to, re to reinforce good habits. And they they just pull out all the stops. So that's that's essentially the nutshell what the fabulous app is. So what does this app cost, Mike? It is you get a week free trial. Uh, so they get they let you take it for a test run, which is good, uh, especially for us. Uh, and you get it's fifty eight dollars Canadian per year, uh, which is is kind of it's lower than a full app like Headspace would be. Mm -hmm. That was like up in the eighty plus. Uh, 
uh, dollars per year. So this is a bit lower than that, but it's the same kind of idea. It's got to be worth it to you to build yep. good habits, right? And and go through their their whole program. And it, it, what's interesting it, to me, Mike, is the involvement of of the the university on it in the creation and uh, some of those things. I think can surprise us because you think, well, there's so many people looking into working on, but then you always ask the question, oh, well, how come it's made this way? Or this is something that might be reasonably usable for us with, with, with low or no vision. Yeah. You know, and, and they have, they've got the science backing it up and they've spared no expense yeah. in terms of resources. Like you've got good sound uh, audio in this, the stories, the, you know, the little insight messages that you go through little almost like little documentaries on habit habit forming at each step of the way of, of your journey as it builds it really encourages you to interact and be thoughtful uh when you're using this app and so who would you recommend the app for then well this is for the, the people who really feel they need some serious help with habit forming like i haven't had any luck keeping my resolutions or doing what i want to build into life uh, and I want something to really help lay the foundation. And that's what this app would do, right? It's It's got all the, it, it's intrusive, right? It'll notify you. It'll, you know, you, you have to go every every day to do this, do that, check off that you've done what you've done and uh, to progress through the program. So it uses a carrot uh, very effectively to sort of pull you along. And mm -hmm. uh, that's what you're paying for, basically. Okay. What about the Streaks app? That is a whole different approach. That is a simplified end of the spectrum. You you, ba uh, you basically get this app, and it keeps track of up to 24 tasks that either habits that you want to do or bad habits that you want to try and break or lessen, right? Like, say, if you want to drink uh, no more than three drinks a week, uh, you could set that up so that it, it automatically presumes that you haven't had a drink, but you have to have the discipline to tell it, oh, I just had a drink. And you might say, okay, I'm allowed up to three drinks. And if I go over that, then I miss and I end my streak. It's all about streaks. So ah. if, if you go through a day, you know, one day of exercising, 10 minutes turns into two days, turns, and you check that off every day. It makes a little reward sound when you do that. And uh, so you build up those streaks and you don't want to lose that. Oh, I've got a streak going of 30 days. I don't want to miss a day and break that, right? So it's built. That's a simple psychological wow. mechanism. Yes. What an interesting and say, take and a way to work on you. Yeah, you know, nothing to it, really. Just very simple. You could do this yourself if you have the discipline. You don't even need the app. But it's a real good, well-laid-out app and uh, works reasonably well with voiceover. And you can just add in, you know, complete good habits or bad habits. You have to tell it. You know, it does rely on your discipline, of course. It doesn't honesty. It stop you. Yeah, <laughs> it can't stop you. Um, no fibbing to it, Michael. Exactly. Uh, so it's all on you. And uh, is, if you have the discipline, you really want to change, you know, sometimes these little nudges are all you need to really do some powerful stuff. And that's kind of what's behind this app. I was just going to say sort of what you had said about the fact that, you know, sometimes all we need as human beings is that knowledge that something is holding us to account, whether it's a person yes a piece of electronic, it doesn't matter because if you break it, you, you're like, oh, but the piece of electronic, you know, I broke my streak, darn. And, yes. you know, even though it's not someone <laughs> physically saying it to you, it's, it's, it's telling you in, in your this head, way. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it has to, and it gets it has into to your be head. your conscious. Yeah, and your conscience totally. has to propel this. Can so, we talk a little bit about the cost of this app? 
Yeah, it's, it is a little cost. It's only $6.99, and it's a one-time payment. It's not a subscription. So it doesn't get much cheaper in this space uh, than that. Uh, you know, you, you get the, uh, the full Streaks app, nothing blocked off, nothing held back, and you can just start using it, and it'll just keep working. Yeah, and and again, you you get into when you talk costs, you just hope, guys, this is for people's health, well-being. You know, we got to watch our prices. But unfortunately, with the work and the investigating and keeping the app up, this is something that has to be. These things have to be kept up. Uh, you, you know, you're going to end up paying that little bit more. Let's talk about your structured app. What does it do? Yeah, this is if you if you find a full calendar too much. This is kind of an app that takes a day at a time, really brings the focus down to, to that day. You can scroll back and forth to different days and different weeks and so on. So it's not you know just that day, right? But your view is that one day and you can then go, it takes the whole day and blocks it out. This is the time you have, this is when this event is. You can move events around and have the times change and stuff. Uh, you can uh, do anything like that. There are icons and stuff, so it can very visually, uh, you know, good for sighted people. Uh, for us, it, it's work, it works with voiceover. Uh, the developer even says right in the description that he's put in effort into doing this, and, and it has paid off. It works very well with voiceover. And uh, so we can use this and have our whole day just laid out. And uh, breaks in between events are shown, too. So it says, okay, you have six hours between this event and this event, right? And you can use that to sort of, judge, you know, how to, when you have your space for mental break time and things like that, right? And and helps you just pace out your day. You know, and um, going back to simplicity, too, is all we need. We talked about it in the above, you know, someone to hold us account is helpful, too. But simplistic is really what works for most people. I know for myself, I need it right in front of me, black and white, none of this, you know, weeding through this or that or what have you just give it to me day by day and so that i don't get overwhelmed um can we talk about how much the structured uh pro subscription costs yeah the, the structured uh, the regular app is you can use it for free it'll keep working and you'll just be missing out some features like being able to put in recurring events and sort of more things like that so it would require you to do a bit more work to use it for free but it's possible uh, unlocking the pro uh, version is $1.99 per month. Uh, so that's not much. And it mm -hmm. unlocks the, the recurring events. It unlocks a bunch of other features that sort of give you more choices of icons of how to display things, of different things you can do. And it supports the app's continued development. So you're, you're basically, you know, giving, investing in something that hopefully is helping you. And, uh, you know, for, for a lot of people, it seems to be more than worth it. So yeah. uh, it's it's another one and, of the and really that, popular things. Paying for the development too is it's just again so crucial. Who would you recommend for this app? Anyone who it, like I find I, the more I read about it, the more I found that a lot of people with uh, like ADHD, uh, autistics uh, seem to really like just the simplicity of this app and how it just lays out every the, the structure of their day is just lot uh, is you get you can get notifications too so it has all those facilities to really just help you go through your day more easily with less unexpected right and that uh, that helps anyone in that situation where they just feel overwhelmed by events uh might find this useful can we squeeze in the fact that uh what would you recommend for people that have lots of projects and tasks 
to do? Yeah. So for, for people who really have a lot, like one of these busy lives with a million things on the go, there's, there's a, a thing called Things. It's an app called Things 3. Uh, there's probably going to be a, a higher version at some point soon. And that is uh, basically it lets you build up, organize your life into different projects that can have sub, you know, steps to completion. And it keeps track of all that it, it, once you put it in and puts what you need to do today in your inbox. So it, it kind of helps you organize all these big things. Uh, it's made for organizing life, right? So nice. it's yeah. you can give different areas. Maybe you have church, work, hobbies, whatever, right? You can categorize all that projects for someday when you have time. And you just keep track of all those things. And it, it kind of keeps things flowing and organized and, and uh, makes it very simple to sort of keep track of all the different balls you have in the air kind of thing. Nice. Mike, how much is it? We're just about out of time. Yeah, that one is thirteen ninety nine, and uh, it uh, it's not a subscription; it's a one time payment. So uh, that's it's a, a good deal for if if you need that kind of backup, that kind of help in the calendar. I use Fantastical uh, as a, as my main driver for a calendar uh, and reminders combination. So awesome. uh, if you need something more than that, go with Things. If you, if you really okay. need to organize a lot. Mike Fair joins us every Thursday to talk audio entertainment and tech right here on Kelly and Rumya. Mike, we'll talk to you next week. And folks, up next on the program, is there a right or wrong way for doctors to break bad news? Well, we're going to dive into that with our bestie from the UK, Fern Lullum. She's here in two minutes. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Rumya return with more in a moment. My co-host for the program, Ramya Muthan, if she feels better, she'll be taking part in a wonderful event going on this weekend. The uh, 2023 Parasport Games are upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they're taking place in Durham, Ontario, and on this week's episode of The Neutral Zone, they're going to be joined by James Titmarsh and Don Terry to talk about the event as part of the organizing committee. From their perspective, we'll find out quite a bit. Now, remember, ladies and gentlemen, The Neutral Zone airs Tuesday at 11 a.m. on uh, AMI-audio and is also available as a YouTube video podcast uh, I think this guy here, Brock, he might know a little bit about that as Brock Richardson joins me hosting on the program today. Yes, I do. That is my baby. And I enjoy doing the neutral zone every week. And something else I enjoy doing when I get the opportunity is talk to our bestie from the UK. And oh, look at that. I get to do that today. Let's bring on Fern Lullum. What's on your mind? I'm Fern Lullum from the UK, and whether serious, silly, or somewhere in between, I've got you covered. Let's face it, the most effective therapy is a chat with your bestie. Hello, Fern. How are you? Hello. It's lovely to talk to you. I'm doing very well. All the better for being here, of course. Yes. Well, today we're talking about a, a deeper kind of topic, and that is getting and receiving bad news from people in the medical profession. Yes, that's right. I think for a lot of us who have disabilities, it can be really hard because you have these checkups and you have to go to hospital and you're really hoping that you're going to get good news every time. Um, but our conditions are often very unpredictable. And when you get bad news, the way it's delivered can make all the difference to you. Yes, and that's... 
the the real truth of it. And the unfortunate part about it is we still hear of some in the medical uh, profession whose communication skills are a little subpar and that they can make some bad situation even worse. Is this the case in the UK still as well? Yeah, it absolutely is. I've heard of a couple of stories lately that have been quite shocking to me. So there was one man that I heard of on the radio who said that in three generations of his family, he was given very bad news about sight loss in a much less than than, than kind of way than you would want it to be given. Um, so the first the first one was his mum, and he said that his mum was told when she was losing her sight that she wouldn't be able to work, she wouldn't be able to do anything, um, and basically she was going to have a very empty life and not be able to accomplish anything because of her sight loss. So as you can imagine, that's devastating to hear. Um, and then with him, um, him and his mum were told that he should be sterilised when he came of age so that he didn't pass his condition on oh to anyone else goodness. again as you can imagine if you know if you're hoping to have a family um and hoping to have grandchildren for his mum just just devastating again um and then thirdly Quite recently, during COVID times, his daughter went to a hospital checkup and he was unable to accompany her because obviously the restrictions were in place. And his daughter overheard through um, doctors talking about her scans that she was going to lose her sight. And so it was an accident. And that's how she found out that she was going to lose her sight. And I've also heard of a lady in the media lately who was just told, you're going to lose your sight. There was no kind of support offered or it was just very blunt and as you can imagine you know this news is absolutely heartbreaking can be for a lot of people and very scary for a lot of people and just the way it's delivered is just making it a hundred times worse we've had yeah. so many people on our back to basics um programming when we do the week and that is probably for the most common um, thing that I've heard. Uh, you know, I, I have a massage therapist, and he has mentioned that when he was told that he was going blind, the next thing is, well, we'll talk about this at your next appointment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just like that. Yeah. He had no guidance except for when he got home, and a policeman pulled in behind him and said, you know, the doctor's office called and said that you shouldn't be driving. And he said, would have been nice if someone told me that and figured out how I was going to get home. Um, yeah. These are terrible stories. They're just horrible. And it, it just goes to show that having good medical knowledge just isn't enough. You need to be able to communicate, as I just mentioned, in some kind of supportive way. But for how can we make it happen? Well, I think there's a few parts to this. I think one of them is education. Um, you know, we hear of so much training that medical professionals have to go through. And of course, the physical side is very important. You know, nobody wants to go into surgery with a surgeon who hasn't concentrated on that physical side. Um, right. But I think equally as important in some cases, um, especially when it comes to things like sight loss, is that communication. You know, how are you communicating with your patient what's your patient care like um and really emphasizing that and another part of that i think is empathy so putting yourself in your patient's shoes you know i know for myself there's um things like simulation glasses and just ways of of kind of putting yourself in that situation so that you really know on an emotional level how that feels and then the other thing like you you touched on there Kelly, I think is just the signposting, you know, to say there is support available, whether that be a charity for sight loss or whether that maybe be a counselling service where someone can go and get that emotional support that they so desperately need at that time.
And speaking of counseling, you spoke about that in your last segment, but do you, how do you think it might help in a situation where you've received, you've just had bad news uh, uh, around sight loss? Well, I think a massive part of what counseling does is it gives you a space, a safe space where you can talk about how you feel. And I think that is something that we need when we're in those situations is just to process our emotions and our thoughts and our feelings and everything that's going on inside of us. And of course, you've got your family and you've got your friends and hopefully they're supportive. But I think it's hard for them as well. You know, if they've got a personal connection to you, they're going through it as well. They might be upset. And from, you know, the patient's point of view, yourself, when you're going through it, you might feel like I don't want to make them feel worse. I, I feel guilty about saying how I feel and how upset this is making me because maybe they'll feel bad about that. And so there's all of these emotions there. So what counselling does is it just offers this neutral space with somebody who isn't personally connected to it, where you can just be really open and honest with yourself about how you feel about it all. It's tough because family members are hit by the trauma, as you mentioned. And we all react differently to, to, to things, whether they happen to us or somebody else, and are what we would consider, I support it, but sometimes I support it is, I don't really want to talk about it, let's change the subject, or just move on, or doting over somebody, because, oh, you poor, oh my good, and crying more to where you're helping them get through your vision loss. And, and these things are so tough. I, and, and I think, to be fair, we, we do have to acknowledge, Fern, I would, I would assume, that bad news can't be hidden from patients. No, of course. And that's certainly not what I'm saying. I want to make that very clear, is that we need honesty. We, you know, the last thing you would want is for, for doctors to know something about your site that they're not telling you. So it's not about sugarcoating it. It's not about beating around the bush. But at the same time, you can be honest and you can be very clear with somebody, but there's still a certain way that you can deliver that with understanding and empathy, like I said before. And I do think a big part of delivering bad news is helping your, your patient to understand what's going on. Because for so many of us, the questions that it brings up is, what is this going to mean for me? What, you know, what does this look like down the road? Am I going to have to have more surgery? And, and so it is being very clear about what this means, but also just just allowing them to know that you realize that they're a human being and they're going to have a life outside of this hospital when when they go home and just having that connection and that relationship with them can make bad news just that little bit more bearable absolutely so fern have you had personal experience of getting bad news in an unprofessional way yeah, I have, um, both myself and my family. So when I was six weeks old and my parents first got my diagnosis of aniridia, um, my my mum and dad, they were both told then that I would never be able to see and that they needed to kind of shelter me, hide me away from the world, um, keep me in a dark room. And as you can imagine, it's it said so bluntly in those terms, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. devastating for yeah. new parents. You know, they've got this vision of, of the future for their child and all this hope and dreams that they, they want their child to achieve things and just 
for it to be sort of sprung on them and of course let's let's be honest that that didn't actually happen in the end luckily in my situation um and then when i was older and i was going through glaucoma um which was kind of associated with my condition i was sent to a doctor for a, a second opinion and she very much was of the assumption well you're going to lose your sight so how can we make it as pain-free as possible um and i was not going under that assumption you know i hadn't been told that you're definitely going to lose your sight by no means by my consultant in fact my consultant was saying things like i'll be able to help you to gain a bit more of your sight back at the time um so again it just hit me like a train it came completely out of the blue and it was incredibly scary for me because all of a sudden I, i'm just thinking i don't know where i am with this now what's yeah. what's going on here what happens to me now? So in that example uh, where you got the bad news as an adult, try and explain that impact that it had on you. I was devastated. I just remember being very upset, um, crying a lot. I think something for me personally is I hide my emotions quite often. So I probably didn't tell the doctor at the time how that made me feel, but I certainly walked out of that appointment with my mom and dad and, and had a good sob and, and just felt helpless and hopeless. And has my consultant not been telling me stuff all this time? You know, has he been lying to me? Um, just completely overwhelmed by so many different emotions and just feeling completely lost. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about the bad experience. And with that, there's, you know, a lot of people who in the medical profession, who are great communicators, and hopefully you've experienced that too. Yes, yeah, I definitely have. So my consultant um, is called Samir Hamada, and he is a wonderful communicator. Um, he, he has always just made me feel like a human being, which I think is so important when it comes to patient care. You know, he as soon as you walk in the room, he'll ask, how is your job doing? And and how um how are things outside of of you know that you're kind of sight loss. And that means everything because it again it's just that understanding that you have a life, you have things going on outside of these four hospital walls. And anytime sure. that he's given me any news, good or bad, he's always given me the space to ask anything that I want to ask. So I think that's a big one where, you know, in some situations you feel like I have all these questions, but if I ask them, I'm going to be made to feel stupid mm -hmm. or like mm -hmm. I, you know, I should know this stuff or I shouldn't be asking these questions. And he has never made me feel like that. He has always given me the impression that he wants me to be completely convinced that I understand the situation and he has never shied away from answering anything. And it just, it, it builds that connection and that bond with your doctor. This is somebody that you're trusting with so much with your sight. It, it just means everything. And when Absolutely. you get that great connection, when it comes to that support that you just talked about, we should recognize it and reward it. Have you been able to do that? Yes, I absolutely have. And it was wonderful. Um, so a few years ago, there, the, the Queen Victoria Hospital, where I go to see Mr. Hamada, um, they do awards, so various different awards for doctors. And there was one award called the Patient Award, which is basically um, you, you nominate, you, the patients will nominate a doctor that they feel deserves the award for patient care, which I was very encouraged to see that they acknowledge that patient care is a big thing and it, is, it should be acknowledged. And I nominated 
hired my consultant and um, I went along to this award ceremony um, and it was it was so lovely and, and we sort of had dinner together and everything and then in the end he ended up winning the award and they read out the little um the little sort of thing that I put together saying why he deserved it. And I got to go up with him um, and collect the award. And he said, you know, of all the awards that um, are given out at this ceremony, this is for me the most important one because it's about the patient and the patient is the most important person. Fantastic. Fern, you always bring us uh, great stuff and stuff that we can walk away with and learn from. Thank you so much for another great topic. And uh, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Have a lovely show. Fern Lalam joins us every other Thursday for the UK Highlights. Coming up next, we've got the buzz. Bill Shackleton, he arrives. Stand by for him. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back to the program. Brock Richardson sitting in for Romeo Muthan. You know, it's wonderful, Brock, to see you getting an opportunity to be in here, to see your work while Amuthan, well, pretends to be sick or whatever's going on. Um, I really love having you in here with us, but you know what? One of my favorite things to do, Brock, when we do this show is to watch people work. Yes. And you know, and you're going to laugh at me because... We've talked about this before, but you know what this reminds me of doing when I go down to uh, downtown Toronto and watch the uh, Family Feud Canada recordings. When you hear the cues from, uh, um, you know, the control room, it's it's very similar to the same thing. So I'm very accustomed to the cues, and it's been a lot of fun. And we have uh, lots of show left, but it's uh, it's definitely new and something different. So, very so cool. since you're there, about 35 episodes a season. Uh, you know, sitting there, I'm sure some people have probably spotted you, those who can see, and have looked, hey, well, look at that guy down. He seems to be there all the time. And, folks, I'll tell mm -hmm. you, from my experience, he is. Uh, <laughs> but going back to people working, mm -hmm. here's a hardworking fellow. You know, as a matter of fact, Diesel joins us here and talks every uh, Wednesday through Friday about items he pulls out and we get a chance to talk. Billy Shackleton. Is that right? Diesel, right? That was the nickname they had for you at school because you just barreled over everyone like the old jumble jet you were talking about yesterday. Yeah, and people stayed down too. They don't. They knew. They don't. Yeah, they don't get back up. Not that there easily. Was, Not uh, that oh, oh, that's what you meant. I thought they just died for cover. Oh, you mm. meant they just oh, got trundled no. over. Oh, yeah. um, I remember uh, being downtown, and I'd stand there and I'd hear this a white cane coming, and I'd flatten against the wall. It was somebody, and when he'd go trucking by, that cane, your shins weren't safe. And there were some of those people who, and Billy, I'm sure you've known the odd one or two, that wield a white cane like some kind of, like either an axe or they're, and they're going through the woods, you know, cutting their way through with a machete. or I think a machete is probably a better example. And they're just cutting their way through. But you knew, what's that noise? Oh, and flatten out against the wall as they'd go by. You're experiencing that sometimes, haven't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you been one of those people that did that, especially when you were annoyed and angry and running down a road dieseling? Yeah, I've actually busted a couple of canes on a sidewalk a couple of times when I got mad. Not at, if I got lost or, or something like that, and it has happened. Good heavens, man. Oh, then yeah, what do you do? How do you get home? Um, I carry a spare. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. There you go. I love there's it. There's prep. You know, there's somebody who knows his temper. Wow. Awesome. Prepare, preparedness. I love it. I'm prepared to it. get lost. I'm prepared yeah. for my own <laughs> anger, and I'm prepared to destroy the. That's like those baseball players that strike out and go to the dugout and snap the bat. You know, yeah, holy yeah. Cow, on purpose. Really. On purpose. Yeah, Oh, there's a whole rack full, you know, and they yeah. order these special bats now, Billy. They got all that money. Sir, where are we starting today? We're going to do this one, actually. Um, Apple and Google stores get thumbs down from the White House. Oh. So ba basically the Biden administration um, is has convened the the um, competition council in, in an effort to lower prices and um, and promote competition, they it, this report actually says that Apple and Google are stifling competition by um, charging absorbent prices for consumers for their products, and um, you know for people to put apps on the App Store and Google Play Store, they charge a lot of money for for other developers to do that. So basically they're going to figure out a way, and I don't know how they're going to do this. They're going to figure out a way of perhaps lowering the prices or, or lower the, the, the competition field, the playing field. You um, know, we've been talking, go ahead. Mike Fair was speaking about apps that need a lot of development and oh, yeah. consistency and they need to be kept up because that's just the way it works and what you're paying for. So you think about, well, gee, that's not a bad price if it's something valuable to you that you're able to use. How do you feel about this, Bill? Because where my concern is there's already enough things that we need to fiddle around with to make them fully accessible for our needs. And if these developers are working on it, and when we hear any of them say, yeah, yeah I've got to make this suitable for voiceover, that's a win-win. And, and are we, I mean, overall, we pay, overpay for everything here, right? Especially our services when it comes to, to sell service and all that. I wish governments here would look more into that. But I mean, I hear Biden, I hear what they're saying, they're right. But and as a person with a disability, Billy, this is a concern to me because I don't want what happened with Twitter. Well, then just get rid of that accessibility department. We can't afford it. Mm. Yeah, and you know, one of the things about about apps though is that you know they're they're free for a reason. And I think the developers, if they lowered the prices, the developers could maybe spend more time developing apps. You know what I mean? Because right now, yeah. I mean, your app is only as good as if it's free. There's a reason, and that is it's not updated. And developers can't, a lot of developers cannot afford to update the apps if they have to pay so much money to get them advertised on the on the App Store and Google Play. And that's so the maybe scary this, part. Yeah. Because yeah. they're paying Android, Apple is is got to take their cut because they're allowing the platform for these developers, Brock, to be able to get their app on it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, too, that bugs me is oftentimes, well, I'm not going to say oftentimes, that's not fair. Sometimes you'll hear, to make things more accessible, it's it's more expensive. And so yeah. why do we do mm -hmm. that? Well, well you're missing out with, on it. Same thing with proper food, right? Oh, yeah, but that organic or that food that's good for you and that locally grown, it's more expensive. Yeah, right. And and I, and I that's not fair to the people that need that more expensive again you talk about groceries there are people that need organic just due to dietary restrictions right like yep. there, there are people that need these products no matter what the cost is and they can't just pick and choose oh well i'll get it anyway even if it's inaccessible well that doesn't work for everybody mm, i wonder what the solution will be bill 
I, I, as I say, I don't know. I mean, government's been after big, and we've all been after big tech and how, I mean, it's, it's a report and like, like, like most reports that you see, is it going to be sitting in someone's drawer? Um, Is it going to be, is it going to be a secret document? Is it going to be found by some teenager that we talked about yesterday? You know, I don't know what they're going to do with this or if they can do anything. Billy, well, or is it going to be taken seriously? Period. Yeah, that's well, are they, well, are we, they just, we, yeah. But but we yeah. know the governments in question, uh, Google, Apple are not their friends anyway because the governments worry most about how little in taxes they're paying and how they're dodging it all the time, Brock. Right, and that's that's the thing, and it's all about how can I cut corners to make this better for my po- pocket lines versus what may be better for the community. Yeah, you know. Uh, Bill, uh, that's it, Bill, on that one? Or do you want to move on to your next one? I think we better move on to this one. We go to ancient Egypt to this one. How to make a mummy ancient Egypt workshop has new clues. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. This is also from the Associated Press. For, so as you know, for thousands of years, um, the, the ancient Egyptians have mummified they're dead in in the hopes of eternal life. Um, the the problem researchers have had is they've never really known. They've known it can be done, but they've really they haven't known. They don't know how, what chemicals they actually use to do it. Right. So there's a new workshop that was discovered. Uh, well, it was two thousand years old, and the interesting thing is there there are jars with chemicals in it that actually mm. the that they actually used mm. wow so, so yeah, this they was gotta... unearth this was unearthed yeah. when you said workshop at first for a moment i thought you meant oh we're going to teach people how to do this gotcha this is the actual genuine article workshop from mummification times yeah they're calling it a mummy workshop is wow. is actually so you know basically if they the, they are They've taken samples. There's, there's the. They've taken samples from the jars, and and the labels to make sure that the, that that's what's actually in the jars themselves. And then their next step wow. is to is to see if the samples were actually used in the mummies. So it just gives them a better idea of how the mummification process works and and it's amazing how these people did these things yes i'd love to know what those chemicals are oh i know um i mean it it was it's amazing and how they made them like that's the other thing is like how do you a lot of these chemicals came from from far abroad and how did they get them i mean there's so much we don't know with so much less less understanding too like they didn't they you know compared to all the research you could do now and but back then they didn't know it was just kind of like no you know you know let's see what what happens you know well and you wonder you know now we know about all the things in in the past that things that we use or don't use due to their danger and the, the people who have to work with them other things that they've been able to adapt when it comes to embalming 
Um, but you you really wonder, you know, were you basically spicing and pickling someone at the time with what they had available to them? It really would be fascinating when they can pull that apart and tell you what things were used with, with certainty. What was the, I guess, the secret ingredient hidden yeah. in the sauce, mm. Billy? Like, that's I, just amazing. Wow. I, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I, I find it fascinating. Uh, sir, a couple of minutes. Let's see if we can squeeze something else. We can squeeze this Um Basically, uh, um, Ireland is getting a new holiday. Um, basically, it's a, a woman that's going to be honored, the first uh, woman to be um, given holiday status, if you want to put it that way. St. Bridget of Kildare um, is a contemporary of St. Patrick. And, you know, St. Patrick has gotten all the parades and the attention and, and all the drinking and so on. Uh, so St. Bridget is... You might call her, she, I wouldn't call her feminist, but she is a woman, of course, and she is promoting different things. She's promoting um, peacemaking and the environment, and I think it symbolizes what we're all trying to promote today, which I today. think is why she's being honored. Yeah. Because I absolutely love this. I love this. I think it's great. Um, so the holiday was... I believe on February 1st, and but, and I don't know how they're going to celebrate it. It said prayers, but I don't know. But I kind of like the idea that she is, um, you know, promoting things that we do, that we want yeah. to promote. I, I love the idea when we talk about people in, in the past very ahead of their time. And that's well, what you're hearing was. here, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely yeah. when you talk about the environment, and, and we might sit back and say, well, it's a no-brainer that, but we had a different time then, different things going on in our world. Um, and, and they may have led to the same issues of concerns, of problems for the environment going forward, but really nice. Brock, what do you like so much about this? I just think it's promoting, you know, environment. It's promoting... Uh, something good you know that that's what the intention of uh, of holidays are and i think sometimes people can take holidays for granted and you know um it's it's a day off work which might ultimately happen here but i just think it's really well done and i i, I love it well awesome. they promote what the and they know you know you're not promoting drinking and people forget about the parades and 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 they, and they forget that there's another side to some of these things and i think that's what this woman is trying to do is say is this holiday is going to be promoting a more gentle holiday and a, you know more reflective of you know to what's going on today certainly a holistic viewpoint yeah really thanks a lot diesel will catch you tomorrow when you return to the program Catch you guys later. We call it the buzz. We never know where he's going to go. He brings a few items to talk about. Bill Shackleton, he'll be back tomorrow for the next edition. Uh, coming up in the next hour of the program, Hands of Fire is a group of blind and partially sight of sc sighted sculptors in Toronto. We learn about their recent endeavors when Douglas Freed, the vice president, joins us. This week on The Roundtable, we're joined by Greg David, communication specialist here at AMI. But up next, what can you make for your special someone this Valentine's Day? Foodie. Mary Mammoliti has the answer. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.